Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey guys, um, welcome back to the Whole Hearted Eating Podcast. We're doing something a little bit new that we're very excited about. We wanted to give something special and a little bit of a shout out to one of our Patreon members every week um, for each episode to kind of thank you for supporting us and thank you for supporting us over on Patreon and being a part of this community. Um, We couldn't do any of these things without you all and we appreciate you being part of our community and listening each week, whether you're a patron or not. We love you all, but we wanted to say thank you so much to our very first Patreon ever, (laughs) ever, Rita. And we're going to have you as our like little thank you sponsor Sponsor for today's episode sponsor for today's episode so thank you so much for being our first ever you have no idea how much we squealed when we saw your name pop up (laughs) and we were super excited so thank you rita for sponsoring today's episode and you'll hear little shout outs um each episode for various different patreons if you have no idea what i'm talking about uh pop on over to our patreon and check it out Yeah, Rita was our first ever patron. She joined, I want to say like a week or two after we launched last late November 2022. I was like, what year is it? (laughs) Um, And she's been with us ever since. And we we couldn't appreciate you you more. So thank you. And now we'll get into the episode. (laughs) Well, uh, I think you have to start us out because um, I'm being interviewed. (laughs) I guess technically I am interviewing you. So yeah, so welcome to today's episode. We have our adrenal expert Dana Monsies and co-host extraordinaire on today. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, man, we were talking before this episode, Dana, about how there's so many things that we would love to pack into this one episode. But we're going to spare y'all and not go that far <laughs> and really have a com- six hours <laughs> easily. So we're going to sprinkle it to you in a, a funny little nutritionist joke in a digestive way uh, in like a slower dripping of content to you. So around this specific topic. But I think if you've read the title of this episode, the title of this episode is Are You Addicted to Cortisol? And quick disclaimer. You're not actually addicted to cortisol. We're not suggesting that you're actually addicted to cortisol or that this is an addiction or the same adrenal fatigue doesn't mean that your adrenals have stopped working and producing cortisol. We're not talking about Addison's or Cushing's disease today. We are talking about are you are you burnt out and you don't even know it. Are you functionally dysregulated? Are you can't relax and chill? Are you doom scrolling? We had this conversation a long time ago about this idea of being addicted to cortisol and that we think that a lot of people probably are and don't realize it. And we thought that it would be 
fun to talk about and something that a lot of people would gain a lot of information about. And there was a reason why we wanted to have this conversation. And Dana, I'd love for you to talk about why this was important to you to talk about. And we specifically chose for me to interview you around this topic specifically. Yeah. So, um, Adrenal fatigue and burnout and cortisol in general is one of the main things that I get interviewed about on other podcasts like this and gut stuff really um, and kind of the intersection of those two and nervous system regulation. And I like to this day from some articles that I wrote back in like 2015, I still get clients coming to me to work on adrenal fatigue stuff like from those articles that I wrote eight almost nine years ago at this point, right? Um, And the reason I became really passionate about this stuff in the first place is because if you've been here for a while, you know that this is was like a big part of my story. And I definitely have a tendency to get burnout just because of the way that I work. (laughs) As Christina knows, I still (laughs) do things sometimes in like a very, I wouldn't even say all or nothing kind of way. It's, it's just an all kind of way. (laughs) It's just like all on all the time. Um, but since I know that about myself, I have different kind of strategies that I can use to prevent myself from getting burnt out most of the year, aside from during summer swimming, when it's basically just, I'm inevitably careening towards burnout every summer. And then I kind of pick myself up out of that. But I wanted to talk about the um, conversation of like, are you addicted to cortisol? And we're going to talk about like what that means and what it can feel like, because um, as someone who has been an athlete and like a gym person, basically my whole life, um, we were talking about like high intensity interval training and CrossFit and these Peloton workouts and everything. And these people who seem to be like addicted to the gym, basically, or like addicted to high intensity interval training or like addicted to, um, you know, these kind of like adrenaline type activities and stuff like that. And Christina was like, yeah, it's almost like they're addicted to cortisol. Right. And you may not know that that's what that is, because while many people know that cortisol is your primary stress hormone, you wouldn't necessarily identify with like, oh, yes, I'm addicted to my primary stress hormone. Right. And it can definitely feel like kind of an addiction in the sense that for a lot of people, when they go through these different stages of burnout, which we're going to get to, it can feel like you only feel good when you're doing cortisol producing type activities and there is a physiological reason for that as opposed to just being a perfectionist a people pleaser and overachiever right (laughs) like in this like kind of toxic productivity (laughs) culture that we actually just recorded a bonus episode on for patreon and kind of the intersection of adhd and executive dysfunction um and kind of toxic productivity culture as well so we definitely recommend that you go check that out i think it's probably going to air next week um But yeah, that's kind of why we wanted to have this conversation is because there's so many different groups of people in addition to our, like the world in general is basically a perfect recipe for getting burnt out. Um, Like no matter where you are in the world and especially if you live in the Western world and the US in particular where like perfection and productivity culture are so intricately intertwined that it's like almost impossible to not have a tendency towards burnout and so 
if you fall into any of these categories, you have a high likelihood of getting burnt out at some point, right? And so we're talking about like perfectionists and people pleasers and overachievers and kind of like the pressure from everyone else to be that way, even if you don't identify as one of those people, I find is like a huge stress or a uh, Yeah, a huge stress, but then also a huge component that can lead to burnout, that can lead to this feeling of being addictive to cortisol, right? So like people who are always at the gym, people who are chronic dieters, people who we tend to work with a lot who are constantly trying to like figure out their health and this can fall into kind of like the biohacking community but then also people who are just trying to feel better right trying to figure out what's going on with their labs what's going on with their symptoms like what's going on with their health condition right we can also talk about like CEOs and small business owners like students parents caregivers right there's so many different types of people that can fall into these types of kind of patterns that we're going to talk about and like the different stages of the stress cycle um, and the burnout kind of spectrum, I would guess. Um, But as you can tell, I could talk about this for hours. So let me turn it back over to Christina before I do that. (laughs) I was honestly just thinking to myself, she can't help but host. You're like, by the way, we have this bonus episode coming your way probably next week. And <laughs> well, we just recorded things that it, I, wanted... so. I know. It was just really funny. And I was thinking to myself, like, you see, guys, she's all the time, all in, <laughs> all the time. Perfect example. But I think, like, uh... yes, you know, that's a great example. You guys just got a dose. But, like... Before we get into the symptoms and signs of like, oh, I identify with being a perfectionist. I am like, you know, on it at the gym a lot. I am a small business owner. Or I'm a student or I'm a parent or all the things that you're like identifying with it early on already. Before we get into like the signs and symptoms that maybe you are actually in this place, can you explain a little bit the different types of stages of burnout and what that looks like and kind of maybe where... Uh, this addicted to cortisol kind of place lands in those stages. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when we talk about the different stages of burnout, um, the original place that this came from is an endocrinologist and kind of stress researcher called Hans Sale. I always pronounce his last name wrong. Um, But this is where this all comes from. And he's the creator of something called general adaptation syndrome, which then kind of got uh, reworked into the different stages of adrenal fatigue or burnout, right? So like the, the first place that you ideally want to be in is just like, I guess we could call it quote normal, right? Or like homeostasis <laughs> balance or something like that, right? So basically what that means is your nervous system is very, very resilient, right? We're always going to run into different external stressors or internal stressors, right? So it can be stuff that's going on outside of your body. It can be physiologically stuff that's going on inside your body if you have a specific symptom or health condition or, you know, long-term effects of trauma or anything like that, right? We're always going to run into those different things. But the difference between someone who's in this kind of optimal state of homeostasis or balance or like high resiliency and someone who's in the these kind of later stages of burnout is a person who's at homeostasis or balance has a much higher capacity to bounce back from those specific stressors, right? 
So ideally, that's where we want to be. It's like we have a capacity to deal with things pretty quickly as they come to us. When we're looking at the different uh, like stress hormones and stress response cycle, basically what that means is like cortisol and other stress hormones are produced in response to an external stressor. And then if you are very resilient, then you can kind of cycle those out of your body and you go back to your day, right? This is the way that it's supposed to work. Unfortunately, with all of these different um, kind of archetypes or personality types and then the way that the world is, most of us are not in that optimal state of being extremely resilient. So then what can happen is you can move into this first stage, which is called like the alarm stage usually, which is where it's very high stressors all the time. Your body is constantly cycling through stress hormones and not processing them out of your system. If you think about, for example, um, you know, I've commonly given the example before of when I was working on political campaigns when I first got out of college and it was like, you know, 16 to 20 hour days and you're constantly working on like, let's make sure people are registered to vote. We have to hit all these numbers. You're barely sleeping. You're like fueled by caffeine all day. You're barely eating. Like, you know, there's all these different kind of types in your life or times in your life or seasons in your life. Like, let's say you just had a baby or like you're in grad school or you're in college and you're trying to pass your final exams. You know, there's all these different kind of peak stressful periods in your life. But also it's not just those times, right? We've gotten to the point in our kind of society and culture and the way that things are is like your everyday life could be your alarm stage without being in any of those situations. So that's where the majority of the time your body's just pumping out stress hormones, right? And this is where this is where the high achievers tend to lie is like their like default state. You know, like we're doing CrossFit, we're doing Peloton, we're doing marathons, we're doing um, you know, what some people call like chronic cardio, which is like you're going for runs or bikes or anything all the time. And not like in a restorative way, I'm trying to get sunlight. It's like pedal to the metal when the rubber hits the road kind of thing. You're a high achiever. Maybe you're, you know, trying to work your way up your company or you have your own business, right? Like there's all these other things that are going on. You're constantly trying to achieve and you feel like you can never kind of come down from that in like a relaxing kind of way. The problem is your body is not built physiologically to sustain that for a very long period of time. And I think we're going to get to the point where we talk about, well, why does it seem like some people can just sustain that forever? And like, I can't, we're going to get to that. Um, but once you have, once your body is like, (laughs) uh, we can't keep this charade up, like we need a break. You enter what is typically called like the tired and wired stage, um, or what, Han Sela would call like the resistance stage. Basically what this means if you're looking at a cortisol graph um, is when normally in the morning your cortisol or primary stress hormone is supposed to start to rise so that you can wake up in the morning. That will peak around noon. This is an optimal situation. And then it starts to kind of decrease throughout the day so that you can eventually go to sleep at night and not wake up in the middle of the night. Um, This is ideally what we're looking for. When you get to this tired and wired stage, those peaks and valleys start to reverse. And so it's called tired and wired because people cannot get up in the morning and then they cannot fall asleep at night, even though they're completely exhausted throughout the day. And so their stress hormones are starting to be reversed. One thing that you can also think about this as cortisol, your primary stress hormone, and melatonin, which is your sleep hormone, 
are inverses. So basically, like if your cortisol is low, your melatonin should be high. So we can see why this would be an issue if these things start to reverse, right? You can't, you're exhausted all the time and you can't fall asleep at night, which is just then this kind of vicious cycle. If you then during that stage are not able, let's say you don't have the capacity, you don't have the resources, you don't have the knowledge to kind of back your way out of that, or maybe you're not in a situation in your life where you can back your way out of that, eventually you head into this kind of exhaustion stage where cortisol and your primary stress hormones across the board are much, much lower than they should be. And that is, I mean, you're not necessarily like bedridden at this point, but your quality of life and the capacity of the things that you're able to do has drastically changed. Most of the time you're completely exhausted. A lot of people who find themselves in this stage have a lot of anxiety or depression going on as well because you can't live your life in the way that you used to be able to. Your hormones are going to be all out of whack. We're going to talk about how there's a lot of different things that the adrenals are responsible for as well. And so if you start to notice that a couple of these things are becoming out of balance and you notice that like more and more of these things are coming out of balance, that's a pretty good sign and symptom that you're starting to kind of progress through these different stages. So when we go back to Christina's question about like, where does the addicted to cortisol come from? So that's typically going to happen in the alarm stage and in the tired and wired stage. And so what this addicted to cortisol feeling is, when we think about the imbalance of your stress hormones, whether they're constantly on like high alert and they're constantly producing, the adrenals are constantly uh, churning out these stress hormones, or if you're heading into that tired and wired stage. So for example, if your cortisol is low in the morning when it's supposed to be increasing and you can't get it up, what's one thing that's going to help you feel better? Doing something like having coffee, doing an, a high intensity workout, right? Like anything that's going to pump out your stress hormones, your body's like, oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. This feels good, right? But the problem is, When you get farther and farther into this burnout conversation and you're constantly asking your body to produce additional cortisol when it doesn't have the resources to do that at the times that you're asking it to, this can almost be like an artificial cortisol spike. The way that you know that this happens is if you do or engage in one of these activities that forces your body to produce cortisol, like a CrossFit workout or something high intensity or something adrenaline pumping, This can even be if you get in an argument with somebody, like whether it's your partner, your spouse, or anything like that. That is a threatening situation to your body. And so since your body then will enter fight or flight, that's where cortisol comes in. Even if you're like, there's no threat to my safety. Like we're just having an argument. Your body's like, no, absolutely not. This is a stressful situation. This is a threatening situation. We need to get out of here. It's going to produce some kind of cortisol. If after any of those different types of activities or things that I've mentioned before, you then completely crash afterwards and it could be an hour, it could be two hours, it could be a couple hours, it could be you can't get out of bed the next day. That's when you know we've gone too far. And this is something that is very, very common because it starts to feel like, but the only way that I feel good is if I go to the gym every day and I do these intense workouts. This is something that I have identified with in the past. Um, And you don't realize it when you're in it because exercise and moving your body is a health promoting behavior in itself, right? And you're like, oh, I feel better when I go to the gym. Like, why would I stop doing that? If you then start to find, and this is a piece of advice that I give my clients, like 
Even if you go for a walk and you're totally flattened, that type of activity was too much for you at this moment. It doesn't mean that it's going to be too much for you forever. It just means that your resilience level is not very high right now and we need to figure out why that is and what we can do about that so that you don't feel like you are having this addicted to cortisol kind of phenomenon because feeling if you're identifying with this like feeling like you're addicted to cortisol it's not a biologically advantageous thing (laughs) right so I was gonna say like this is not a good thing right but to give you more of an idea it's not quote, healthy in the sense that that is not an optimal place for your nervous system to be in. That is not an optimal place for your adrenals to be in. It's not an optimal place for your resilience to be in. If anything, it's a sign that your resilience is actually starting to dip lower. And this is a really good sign that it's time to start to figure out where this is coming from and how we can get you out of it. But also, like, thank you for, like, breaking it all down. But, like, at the same time, I'm thinking, too, okay, this is a sign that you're going that you're going too far into it, but it also feels like a a thing that you could easily become latched onto and think of it as very productive because you might see like, oh, okay, I get really tired after I do certain things, and so I need to do these things to help me feel better on the day to day, and so it could be very easy to misconstrue that and say. And think to yourself, no, I need to do these things because this actually helps me feel better where you're not seeing over the long term. We're kind of like it's almost like digging a hole deeper and deeper and deeper and you don't realize it because I think some of those things are ways that we try to control it or get out of it because we can't necessarily you know, I think I could hear I could hear someone thinking to themselves, well, this is life. This is my life and this is what it is and this is how I have to do things. And if I didn't force myself to go to the gym, if I didn't force myself to do these things, then I wouldn't do them at all. And I need that in order to kind of keep my energy up and all of this stuff. And so I think there are ways that we try to get out of our stress and we hear these things like, oh, movement is good for stress and like doing these things is good for blood sugar regulation and cortisol increases our blood sugar. And so we start like putting all these things together and we don't feel like we can control what our boss says to us or the amount of hours that required to work or if we're running a small business or we just had a newborn and we're up all night and we're exhausted and all these different things that can lead to this place. So can you talk a little bit about how we tried to get out of this and how that then feeds deeper? I think we've talked about it a little bit, but I'd like to make it a little bit more succinct in that way. Yeah, definitely. And I also want to talk about like why this is so important. And this is not to say like bad on you. You got yourself into this situation, right? Like this is definitely something that I see a lot because when we talk about the different ways that we get into this situation especially because in our culture and in this society there's so much of an emphasis on like you must DIY your way out of things right and it's like oh well if you start to gain weight for whatever reason then you have to manipulate your food and your exercise and all these different things and people can start to feel like I did this to myself 
even if there are so many things that are out of your control that you cannot get rid of, right? So this goes back to the classic like, oh, well, if you want to do stress management, just eliminate your stress. It's like, what? (laughs) First of all, no, that's not the way that, like you can't do that, you know? And so what we're not saying- Man, I wish we could. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I wouldn't specialize in this if that was the case because it would be so easy, you know? But- What we're not saying is like, oh, just let go of all of your worldly attachments and then you won't have adrenal dysregulation and burnout. Like that's not going to happen, right? So, but what we want to think about here is why is this important, right? Because even if like, let's say you are in this situation where you like, you just had a new baby and you're also the CEO of your company and like all, all of the things are in perfect alignment, like the planets in Hercules for to just go out of control, right? It's important to know about the other things that the adrenals are responsible for too, because I think one of the reasons is so hard to figure out what is going on with my body when you are leaning towards burnout is it's so hard to get, like, first of all, you can't get like a diagnosis of burnout, right? And one of the reasons for that is because when we're dealing with the nervous system and the the adrenals, they're connected to so many different systems of the body. And it can feel like, oh, I have so many different random symptoms that are popping up when really it's all connected back to this cortisol response and the adrenals and your nervous system, right? So when we talk about what are the other symptoms that may be popping up, and this is for people who are like, all these things are going wrong and I don't know what's happening, right? So when we think about, well, what else do the adrenals do? AKA, what are the other systems of the body that may be affected is if this is something that's going on for you? Blood sugar regulation, your sleep and wake cycle, which is your circadian rhythm, which we kind of talked about already, the inflammatory response, and specifically when to turn it on and when to turn it off. Obviously your fight or flight response, or also called like survival mode, is what we commonly talk about with the adrenals or cortisol. But then also the regulation of other hormones. This is a huge one, right? So cortisol, of course, DHEA, which is a precursor to testosterone, and then also estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, like all of your sex hormones. But then also aldosterone, which is involved in the regulation of sodium, um, which is why I talk a lot about like the adrenals and hair mineral analysis testing and why your minerals can get out of balance in the adrenal cascade, right? But then also things like epinephrine, which is adrenaline and norepinephrine, the balance of electrolytes, blood pressure control, right? These are all things that can start to go wonky when you're in this stress response. And then the long-term dysregulation of the adrenals can also lead to a dysregulation in the thyroid, the gut, the immune system, hormone health and metabolism. And then as we mentioned, there's a big connection with ADHD as well. So can you remind me what your previous question was? (laughs) (laughs) Because I went on a tangent and I totally forgot. (laughs) I... I don't remember if I'm being (laughs) honest. (laughs) I really hope everyone loves this episode because, all right. So I asked you, like, how do we try to get out of it? Like, but I think, but I think it's important. I really am glad that you brought it back because I think the point is, is that we, we start to identify with getting, I think, like a rush of feelings and, and energy from doing certain types of activities like coffee, workouts, um, you know, like um, hitting a deadline, high pressure situations, it's difficult for you to relax, all those types of things. Or as we've said, too, like how when you get further and further along, it's like doom scrolling. I saw this really incredible reel 
And I, I wish I, I could remember who it was who did it because I thought it was just so spot on. And it was about um, being functionally dysregulated where it's like you're able to show up and do all of the things. But then at the end of the day, it was just so exhausting that you, that all you can do but doom scroll or binge watch TV or do other types of things that are kind of like in that like kind of catatonic, like checked out kind of mode. And I think that's very different from relaxing, you know, like relaxing requires you to actually drop your shoulders. It requires you to feel calm. It requires you to feel present and like, you know, all those different things too. And I feel like when you're in that kind of stage of like what you're describing as that alarm stage where it's like you're constantly going, 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 and like constantly seeking that out. And then you come home and you're like, like, I can't anymore. Like, I can't do the things. That's where I see like the doom scrolling and all of those things start to creep up and become a lot. And that's probably that why you're tired phrase where it's like your mind's probably like, oh, I should be doing all these things. But instead, I'm just going to sit here and watch the 11th episode of Love is Blind. (laughs) (laughs) While the laundry is going to ding, 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 right? And it's just like, I can't, I can't with that. Um... And then it gets even further down into it where you're like, you're really, like you said, that extreme exhaustion where it's like you can't today or ever and you feel like you need to mentally check out for a long time or you get really sick um, and then your body's forcing you to, <laughs> to lay down and not get up. And I think like one of the things that I'm thinking about too that we can kind of go into is we do a lot of these things in order to control this because we don't really feel that good. When you start to have all those symptoms that you're creating, like when you hear about all the different things that the adrenals can then have this cascading effect on and you're reading about like, why don't I have enough energy? Why am I like I said to Dana before we recorded this, like it's almost like those things of um, I have all these thyroid symptoms, but all my labs are coming back normal. It's like, well, your thyroid can't function optimally if you're in this stage. And if you're burnt out and all this stuff in your cortisol is bottoming out and that's where we're at, you can't have that. And so it'd be easy for you to get hyper-focused on controlling your food finding an exercise routine that you can stick to and like you make yourself do because it gives you that little boost of energy, taking and Googling a thousand different supplements and trying to find one that that's going to like fix this problem, having like a wellness productivity checklist that makes us feel like we're doing something about it. I mean, like I know something's wrong, like and yeah, something is wrong. Right. Like, but we might be pointing all of that energy in the wrong direction. And we're actually putting a lot more added stress on our body by controlling our food and doing all these things and doing all these searches when really we should be saying to ourselves, well, I'm burnt out. I'm doing all this stuff. My I'm addicted to cortisol. My body needs cortisol like um, shots in order to kind of get through the day and to get everything done. And so how do we then get out of that when we start to see like, oh, wow, I'm really trying. Like, I remember, I think we've quoted this like a thousand times, but the episode with Crystal Frazzy 
where she said you can't what's the word like you can't overproduce your way yeah you out. can't like productivity your way out of burnout yeah like you can't do that but yet we have as a society been like kind of set up to do that i'm curious like what are your thoughts around that and then is that like how what are some of the things that if someone's listening to this how do they say oh ding 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 this is me maybe they already have but like how do you then how do you discern between no, I just really need to do these things every day in order to like, because it's part of my, like, this is how I feel good and how I take care of myself and I feel relaxed versus I have to do these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, exactly. And I, yeah. I'd i be curious from, especially from your own personal point of view and like your own journey on your own that you found like, oh, wow, I was doing this and then I realized, oh, shit, I don't need to do this do this anymore how do people figure that out yeah so let's use like a a specific like uh, an athlete example right so one of the things that can happen is if you're and a lot of athletes call this overtraining right so if you are a person who is used to performing at a certain level in no matter what aspect of your life but let's use like you know the gym or something like that If you start to find that you can't recover as well from workouts, if you're getting injured more easily, if you're way more exhausted, like those are all signs that you're doing too much, (laughs) right? And so the question becomes like, okay, well, yes, I feel better when I exercise. Like let's, let's use this hypothetical. I feel way better when I exercise. I feel way better when I'm doing these workouts. I feel way better like immediately after these workouts, but then in the long term, like things aren't going so well. Yes, exercise is a health-promoting behavior, but that doesn't mean you have to do CrossFit. (laughs) Doesn't mean you need to sign up for Orange Theory, guys. Just throwing that out there. Right. It doesn't mean you need to do Orange Theory. It doesn't mean that you need to keep going for your runs or doing your Peloton or even yoga can be too much sometimes, right? So like what you can do then is take an assessment, do a little audit, if you will, like, okay, what are the things that I'm doing now? If I find that the things I'm doing now are too much, then you just have to scale it back a little bit. That doesn't mean that you have to get rid of it completely, unless you're like going skydiving or something like that. This is too (laughs) much for right now. But so going back to what you were saying before also about the thyroid is a great example of this. Um, and you could also look to PCOS and also gut issues as a, what I would call like a secondary, um, downstream dysregulation because of a dysregulation in the adrenal glands, which can caused by, be caused by a whole bunch of these different things. So like, for example, when you're dealing with a bunch of issues with the thyroid, And the question becomes like, oh, let's say you get diagnosed with like um, hypothyroid is one of the most common things that I see as like a secondary effect of adrenal dysregulation. And then you're like, oh my gosh, finally an answer. And so you go into like diet for thyroid health and supplements for thyroid health. And what should I do for exercise? And what should I do for all these other things? You may find in the short term that those things are helpful. But the interesting thing is it was never initially a thyroid issue, right? It was never a primary thyroid issue is what we would call it. It's a secondary thyroid issue. And so if you find that you're doing all these things for thyroid health and you're not getting back to where you were before in terms of like you're not feeling way better, your quality of life is not significantly improved, the thyroid stuff is more of a downstream dysregulation from something else. And this is the next place that I would look. So 
the same thing can be said for PCOS because I think we talked about this a long, long time ago is there's four different types of PCOS and one of them is adrenal PCOS, meaning that if your adrenal hormones are so incredibly dysregulated, it can lead to long-term dysregulation in your other sex hormones, which can lead to a PCOS diagnosis and long-term blood sugar dysregulation issues, infertility, a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, the same thing can be said for the gut as well, because when we go back to the adrenals and we talk about blood sugar regulation, we talk about different hormones, we also talk about different electrolytes and stuff, you need a specific balance of electrolytes in order for your gut to function properly and for you to produce stomach acid, so that can also be a secondary effect of adrenal stuff. But going back to the short-term things that we all try to do, it's like, oh, I'm having this problem, I want to solve it. I then look for supplements for adrenal fatigue. I look for like food plan for adrenal fatigue. I look for exercise for adrenal fatigue. To be honest, one of the main things that you will see is people are constantly Googling, how do I lose weight with adrenal fatigue? Ultimately, what's happening here is the main signal that your body is having is we are currently living in an unsafe environment. So we are going to try to hold on to everything that we have in terms of resources because it feels like we're in a famine cortisol wise, or we're starting to lose our ability to produce cortisol as effectively as we have before. Because if you are constantly stimulated and constantly demanding that your body produce cortisol to deal with the um, external stressors that are coming up, the body's like, do you know how many units of cortisol are out in the system right now? Like we have a thousand firefighters out there right now. Sending 20 more is not going to make a difference, right? So it's not like your adrenals stop producing cortisol, but it's almost like we're dealing with an insulin resistance situation in the sense that there's so much out there already that the body's like, why would I waste more resources to do this? Why don't you just use the cortisol that's out there already? How about that? Or how about this? How about you stop asking us to produce more cortisol? How about you stop throwing gasoline on the fire? On the fire, (laughs) yes. Yes, exactly. But here's a really interesting situation as well is, and um, I follow a couple different like uh, therapists and psychiatrists that talk about nervous system regulation as well. Um, And this ties back to Han Sale when we were talking about general adaptation syndrome is if you grew up in an environment or if as an adult you are used to an environment in which you are highly stimulated, internally stressed, it was a very traumatic childhood for you, or you grew up in an environment where very specifically it was productivity equals value, the absence of stress can create a lot of unease or disease, right? And so when we go back to um, the stress researcher, this is where the kind of concept of feeling like you are addicted to cortisol or addicted to your epinephrine or adrenaline hormones can also come in because it feels like the absence of those is your body is now in an unsafe situation. So that can happen as well. But so then when we get into that situation where whether we're constantly seeking out this cortisol response or we're constantly trying to solve, quote unquote, this cortisol response, because we're now kind of progressing through these different stages, whether we know it or not, ironically, most of the behaviors that people do to try and, quote, get out of adrenal fatigue or get out of burnout are the exact behaviors that are pushing them farther on that spectrum. Because it's not that these specific behaviors are asking the body to produce more cortisol. I mean, that definitely is something that happens. Like 
the farther that you get into burnout, the more you feel like you need to rely on caffeine in order to function, right? And like, that's not helpful for cortisol. I'm also not saying that you need to cut out caffeine in order to solve this issue, right? One of the things that you might not be able to get through your day. (laughs) Well, that and also we're trying to get you out of this all or nothing mentality. We're trying to get you out of this perfectionist mindset. One of the most helpful things that you can do is take a step back and look at what are the different ways that an all or nothing or perfectionistic mentality shows up in my life. And if you're one of those people who's like, wow, this is all over the place. I would almost say that like you and type A people are predisposed to probably falling into some kind of burnout pattern at some point. This doesn't mean that it's definitely going to happen, but you are more likely than others to be predisposed to something like this. And so especially if you are someone who's like, how do I lose weight with adrenal fatigue, right? And this is not a podcast about losing weight, but the more that you try to push yourself in those directions, the more that you're trying to force anything the more that you are unfortunately driving yourself farther and farther into these stages. And that can be a really stressful thing in itself, right? So this is why it's so helpful to work with somebody if you feel like this is part of your story. And this is not all like, oh, like, let's just talk about your symptoms and then I can diagnose you with what stage of adrenal fatigue you're in. That's not what we're saying here, right? So let's talk about testing for a little bit, right? Because we could look at, any different type of testing, whether it's I can look at a stool test, I can look at an HTMA, I can obviously look at a hormone panel or some kind of Dutch test or cortisol awakening response or, you know, any of these other things, but even regular blood work. And we can see, is burnout a part of your story based on the different markers that are coming up and how far out of range they are, whether that's a functional range or it's a true lab reference range that you would get at the doctor. But I would say in the burnout conversation, until you get really, really far along this spectrum, things are not going to come up outside of the lab reference range. Oh man, I could imagine like anyone who's kind of listening to this and saying, okay, I'm in it, um, but I can't (laughs) do anything (laughs) about, and now, and now what a little bit, but I also like want to take a step back from that too, because, and recognize that as well is that, We also like or if you're identifying with it and saying, okay, okay, yes, and now I am trying to do all of the things around like controlling my food or exercise and supplementing like supplementing and things like that. And I'm like doctor Googling everything I can possibly get my hands on. I want to normalize that a little bit because even if like let's say you are listening to this and saying, Yeah, I freaking know that. Like, I know that I'm burnt out. I know that, like, my job is bonkers and it's asking me to work 90 hours a week and I can't do it. And I don't know how to go grocery shopping on top of doing that. And I got three kids at home and all the different things that you're doing, like, or, like, any kind of, any kind of, like, subset in that. If you already knew that you had this and you're saying, yeah, but I can't do anything about all of these factors that are included, that are, like, that are causing this or that have led me to this place. But 
I can do something about my food intake. I can do something about my exercise. I can do something about what supplements I take. I can create a system for myself that helps me. And I think this is where diet culture really comes in and makes us think that we have to do all of those things in order to do that because it gives us that sense of control when everything feels very much out of control. And we get this like, confirmation bias internal energy hit when we do it so we're like why would I ever stop doing this like the train is moving and I'm on the train and I figured out the system I've unlocked the way and then all of a sudden you're like why do I get strep every year that puts me out for like a week and a half and like why is it when my kids are sick I'm sick for the entire winter as well and like why is this happening and I think sometimes we because of diet culture too, which also leads us to burnout. I mean, burnout as well, because we're obsessed with it and as a society and we're so focused on it. Really, the best thing we can do is not focus on the food, not focus on that on like the um, on the exercise and this wellness productivity, but actually focus on getting ourselves out of this cortisol spiral that we're in, which can feel really hard because then it's like, shit, now I have to address this huge elephant in our room. And I will tell you, so many times I've had conversations with clients of mine who are like, yeah, I know I'm burnt out, but I don't have the energy to get myself out of burnout. And I don't even know where to begin to get myself out of burnout. And I think that's a really hard place to be because it feels like, feels a bit like lost because a lot of these things that are leading to it like you said like we've even mentioned like childhood environments can like set you up and be primed for feeling really uneased in a situation like this or or a situation of relaxation so you're going to be like adrenaline seeking anyways so I feel like when you're identifying with this and saying, yes, I do feel this and I get it, but this is the only way that I have figured out how to live. Um, Where do we go from there? Yeah, let's talk about it. So first of all, this is a situation that I find like everybody finds themselves in at some point. And you're like, well, I can't just like drop my life and, you know, (laughs) just stop dealing with all of these stressors. No, of course you can't, right? And we're not saying that you should do that because one, you probably can't. And two, (laughs) the really nice thing about the way that the body works is you don't have to get rid of all of these stressors that are non-negotiables in your life in order to pull yourself out of this stuff. Because, and maybe we want to save this for another episode, but basically removing the external stressors is not enough to get you out of this stuff. Now you might be like, well, shit, then what's even the point, right? But the uh, the flip side (laughs) of that- I want to get rid of this stress. (laughs) Right. The flip side of that is you don't have to get rid of those stressors in order to address this stuff. Because what's really interesting is like, of course, the external stressors are a huge issue, right? And they can get to the point where they become extremely overwhelming. But the real issue is the internal process of stress. And we have- the capacity and you can have the tools in order to deal with that. And 
you shouldn't try to do it all at the same time, right? So that's the first thing is like, when we talk about, you know, personality types and tendencies and everything like that, we're like, oh, perfectionistic, like, let's fix it. Like, let's do all the things. Yes, that can give you a feeling of control. But at the same time, currently you're operating at a depleted state. So the first thing that we need to do is take a step back and be like, I'm not going to be able to do all of this at the same time. And that's okay. So we can also lean into, for example, different health promoting behaviors, right? Like nutrition, exercise, sunlight, blah, 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 but not in the way that you think you need to. Anything that you're doing that is adding stress to your plate right now, which can include exercise, food, drinking enough water, getting sunlight, any of those things. If any of those feel stressful, we need to take a step back. What we can do is reframe nutrition, reframe movement, reframe all these different things that they're giving you, they, (laughs) the Google machine, (laughs) wherever it's coming from, are giving you advice from and know that one, you can't do everything at the same time. You don't have the capacity to do everything at the same time, which is the whole reason that we're in this space in the first place, right? So the first thing I would say is let's take a deep breath, (laughs) right? So (laughs) take a deep breath and know that you're not supposed to be doing all of this stuff at the same time. And if you did try to do all of this stuff at the same time, which of course you would, because that's our tendency. Like that, that's where I was too. Like, ooh, adrenal fatigue. Here's the checklist that I need to do every single day in order to get out of adrenal fatigue. No, <laughs> we're not going that way anymore, right? So when we do a reframe, for example, like thinking about nutrition, most of the time when you receive nutrition advice on a specific health condition, if you're getting it from anywhere that is not Christina and I, is, well, you should eliminate this and you should eliminate this and you should take this out and blah, blah, blah. The way that we reframe that is depending on the stage of burnout that you're in, what are the different minerals? What are the macronutrients? What are the things that your body needs to nourish your nervous system, to nourish your adrenals, to nourish the different aspects of your body that are out of whack because we've been in this stress response for so long. So for example, if you're in the alarm stage, you probably need more sodium and potassium. You might need more magnesium too, right? But this is, again, talk to your healthcare provider. (laughs) Before implementing any supplements. <laughs> but Disclaimer, disclaimer, so, disclaimer. Right. No, exactly. I'm not giving specific recommendations here. But so what you can then think about is instead of, oh, I need to eliminate all of these things. It's, oh, wait, actually, <laughs> my body's been operating from a depleted state for a long time. It probably actually needs more of different specific things. And this is not a green light to like, oh yeah, go look up adrenal fatigue supplements. Because here's a thing to know about adrenal fatigue supplementation and specifically around adaptogens as well, is depending on the stage of burnout that you're in, an adaptogen or a specific you know nutrient or something can feel really great or it can feel awful. So definitely do not go out there and be like, oh, I have adrenal fatigue. Let me take blah, blah, blah. Let me take blah, blah, blah. Because if you notice that you feel worse, which you might, That's something that has happened to me before and a bunch of my clients, not from my direction. You need to figure out where you are, right? And then also thinking about, okay, well, how can I, given my current stress profile or stressors profile, what is my capacity? What is my resilience at? And how can I start to gradually increase that, right? What are the different things I can start to do to dig myself out of this hole? Read, not adding things to your plate. So 
in a way that can help you relieve some of the stress of I feel like I need to do something because that's the other thing too is like I acknowledge that I'm the same way like I feel way better when I'm like okay I have found this thing that is going awry I need a toolbox of things that I can try but instead of being like we must try every single tool in the toolbox it's like well let's try this one and see how it goes (laughs) And then if that wrench doesn't work, we try the next one, <laughs> right? So yeah. a big part of this is taking a look at how did we get here? So from a root cause approach of things, and also what can we do in the moment, right? What is the plan that we can make in the short term? So it's really a two-pronged approach. It's not just how do I like productivity my way out of here, because that's probably going to dig you deeper into this hole. And thinking about what can we do in the short term? What can we do in the long term, right? The best thing that you can do for this, get somebody to take it off your hands, right? Get someone to look at your labs, get someone to help you with this, right? Because trying to figure all of this out on your own is so exhausting. It's just going to push you farther into burnout, right? And let's talk about a major stressor for everybody right now. (laughs) The economy sucks, right? Like everything is way more expensive than (laughs) it usually is, right? And so if you're finding that this is something that is a huge issue for you and you do want to work with a practitioner, you're like, but these people are asking me for like $5,000 up front. First of all, no. (laughs) Bad. Bad idea. Don't do that, right? Get somebody who has... Yeah. Run. (laughs) Right. Or if they prescribe, you know, like 27 supplements for you up front, like just no. Um, Your body doesn't have the capacity to deal with that right now either, right? Like look for somebody who you jive with who's within your price range, right? Most practitioners, Christina and I included, have a modified pricing or like sliding scale pricing. And it's it's no questions asked, right? It's not like, oh, please give me your income statement so I can see if you qualify for sliding scale pricing. (laughs) The economy sucks, right? We get it. (laughs) So... Try and figure out ways that you can take stress off your plate instead of adding is the ultimate Mm -hmm. piece of advice I would give. Yeah, I think that's such a good advice, right? Like, what can you take off? And I think also, too, something that I'm going to intersect because, you know me, I'm like super therapy style. But I think also, too, it's like, what conversations do you need to have? You know, like what conversations do you need to start having either with yourself, with your your partner, with your family, with whoever you find support from or anything like that? Like what kind of conversations do you need to start having? Like because you need to start having them. You know, you need to start talking and taking a hard look at that, whether that's like if you don't have anyone in your immediate life, but you can find someone in a therapeutic situation where you can start talking about this more and saying, hey, I'm dealing with all this and I'm trying to figure it out and I'm overwhelmed by this. Um, You know, who can help you kind of dig deeper? I think having those types of conversations in addition to at like when you can, right, not adding more stress to your plate. I'm not saying to go hire like 15 different therapies or whatever. That's completely (laughs) over the top. Um, (laughs) But like to have a simple conversation, you know, and and I think even too, like it could be as simple as writing in your own journal about how you've been feeling and what's been going on for you and how this all led there is more than enough to start to process some of this and then work with someone or start to think about, okay, what things can I take off? Um, 
And how can I show myself a little bit more grace and compassion on the day to day and maybe lower the expectations of what I look at as my productivity like checklist? And do I have to do all of these things? And what does that look like? And I think it can be that simple to start off and say like, okay, I don't have to clean the entire house and have it look this exact same way every single day. Um, I can choose one thing that makes me feel good to have clean, you know, like, and just do that one little thing and you can take it down a notch because we just hold ourselves to such high standards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as you can probably tell, because I went in so many different directions on this episode, um, we are most likely going to do more episodes coming up, um, continuing this conversation, but to leave you all with some free slash very extremely low cost resources that you can go into for this stuff. So we have a lot of other episodes on this um, that we'll link in the show notes, specifically Dr. Crystal Frazzi's episode. Um, We will link in there, which we did mention earlier. Like Christina mentioned, do like an audit. Not only like what are all of the things that are on your plate right now, but also like how does this make you feel? Whether that's, you know, mentally, emotionally, but then also like what are all the different symptoms that are popping up, you know, and thinking about that. And then thinking about, do I have coping skills to help with this stuff, right? Is a really big one. Um, we also recommend, this is the this is the very low cost one that I mentioned. We highly recommend you check out the book Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. I mean, God, <laughs> if we could get paid by, for every time we mentioned that book, that would be great. Um, just kidding. Not really, but we love that book. Um, I would not, if you haven't read it, I wouldn't go get the workbook because that's another to do. Just listen to the book, (laughs) Audible or wherever, get it from your library or read it if you want to. But if you like listening to us and the way that we teach and talk about things, we think you'll really like that book as well. Um, I love how it has like TLDR sections at the end of each chapter. Um, So if you want to learn more about this stuff, I would definitely recommend that you check that out. Um, But I think we'll leave it there for now because we, again, could talk about so many hours worth of this stuff, but we also don't want to overwhelm you. So do you want (laughs) to, Christina, do you want to wrap it up with a, give yourself some grace and a permission slip? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we already talked about that. The Christina signature. But my favorite thing to say is to give yourself a little bit of grace, but also like a permission slip to really slow down. We're expected to do so many things and just no one has the endless capacity. And I think that's the thing. You might have the capacity in that moment, right that second, but that capacity is not always readily available and it's not always going to be there over the long term. It's not endless. And so no one has that. And so give yourself like the acknowledgement of like, I don't have to do all of these things and you're so much more than what you produce. Yeah, there you go. There you have it. Thank you. Hey friends, it's Dana, and thanks so much for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast today. Find us on social media at Wholehearted Eating Pod on Instagram and at wholeheartedeating.com for more information about working with Dana and Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling. If you love the show, we would love you forever if you'd share an episode with your family and friends or tag us on social media or leave a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts to help more people find the show. 
check out patreon.com slash wholehearted eating to help support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, bonus episodes with us and our guests, episode discussions, new resources we're creating for Patreon, and so much more. If you have questions for us, feedback on the show, potential topics or guests you'd love to have on, shoot us an email at hello at wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you next week.